we're getting really close to the end of Ephesians. We've been going through the book of Ephesians for the last 10 or so weeks. And um, boy, I love this letter. Just a reminder, this is a letter that's written to um, not just one church in Ephesus, but probably a whole bunch of different churches in the region around Ephesus as well. Mostly non-Jewish, that is mostly Gentile with a few... Um, with a few... Sorry, I keep seeing GIFs that Jesser's posting. Thanks. Thanks, Biebs. Um, uh, a few Jewish communities in there, uh, sort of spread around. And so as Paul's writing this, he's thinking both in terms of how do I communicate the gospel to uh, the Jewish people and how do I communicate to the Gentiles? And, and then how do I bring these two groups together as one family? Uh, here's the... This is, this is sort of the, the, the impetus of this entire book is all about unity. Um, and, and really, it's how about the gospel reorients all of life, not just little bits and pieces of life, but the entirety of our being in the world. And why is that? It's because Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. Some people have put it that Jesus is our life leader. What does that actually mean? It means that history is his story. And we're invited into that story by faith. We're invited to play a part in it. By faith, the mystery of God's plan has been revealed. And that plan is to bring all things to unity in Christ. It talks about in chapter 1 of Ephesians. And after laying that out, Paul, uh, Paul begins to describe exactly what that means. You know, because Jesus died and rose for us, we can be free to live sacrificially for him because God has forgiven us we are free to remember wrongs rightly and to forgive other people and because the spirit indwells us the spirits at work in our hearts and in our minds transforming us um, we can introduce God's reconciliation to others <clears throat> oh this this uh, story of history isn't just a a random story. It's, a, it's actually a familial, a familial story. It's a story about a family, the family of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God says, I'm going to bless all people through you, all nations through you. And so Israel becomes this uh, mechanism in the Old Testament and through history of God blessing all other um, all other peoples, all other groups, and anyone by faith can become God's son and daughter. So the gospel is really a family affair in a sense. When we believe uh, in Jesus, when we trust in his sacrifice for us, and we believe in his resurrection, we confess that he is Lord, we become sons and daughters of God, and we're invited into God's household, God's family. And this household is where Christ serves his wife the church and so paul actually in the in the previous verses that we looked at last week has made the case that our households are, are supposed to mimic that relationship between christ and the church um our households whatever they look like should mimic it which means mimicking christ's sacrificial love for one another means mimicking um christ's service to one another his provision it also means that, you know, if you know the gospel, you can speak into the life of others, no matter the situation. 
because this uh, things like marriage are the gospel are, are sort of preach in their being the shape of the gospel. So if you know the gospel, you can speak into what marriage is supposed to be. You can remind people who are married, hey, you're supposed to be serving one another. You're supposed to be loving one another. You're supposed to be treating each other like Christ and his church treat one another. That necessitates vulnerability and genuine love between us, which I think is why in a lot of cases, Paul talks about how we treat one another in the church infinitely, infinitely, infinitely more than he talks about how do we treat people outside of the church. Because he wants the church to be this place where the gospel is is lived out in, in practical ways where people can look in and see the gospel and be able to hear the gospel as well. In the ancient world, households just generally were governed by social and societal expectations and every place that he gets a chance to, Paul flips those expectations on their heads. And he, 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 we saw it last week um, just with, with how Paul describes the, the relationship between husbands and wives. And, and remember, if you, if you actually go back really quickly, if you have your Bibles open to Ephesians chapter 5, we're going to be in 6, but Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22, it, he starts out by saying, wives, submit yourselves, and then he goes, husbands, love your wives as Christ loves the church. He starts with wives and before he talks to husbands, which is very countercultural. Um, and he does this every, for, for this entire household code, he starts with wives and then goes to husbands. He starts with children, then goes to the fathers. He starts with slaves and then goes to the masters. Um, he's essentially trying to draw out this, this really important fact that each of these people, uh, these groups of people within the church, whether they are wives or children or slaves, have some agency in how they respond to the situations they find themselves in. They have the ability to choose, okay, how am I going to live today um, based on everything that I see around me? How you behave in your life is up to you, we could say. And Paul seems to be suggesting throughout this. And so we'll see now Paul... Uh, if you want to, if you want to learn what we talked about for marriage, you can go back to last week. The videos are on Facebook, and uh, link to that is on our website, to the to the archive of those. Uh, today he's going to talk about children, and you'll see pretty clearly that children do have this choice about how they will behave or how they will live in relationship, especially to their parents. But that relationship. And how it functions actually has a has a wider reach than than maybe we like to realize. So I'm going to read this. It's just four simple verses, and then next week we're going to talk about slavery in the ancient world. <clears throat> in Ephesians chapter six, verse one, it says, "Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you." and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Short verses, but they are, um, they are packed with information that I think 
we in the West desperately need to hear, like really, really badly for both children, um, but even more so for parents, I think. First off, let's start with where Paul starts children. He says, children, obey. Um, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Um, <clears throat> we don't like to talk about obedience in North America, but for Paul, obedience is a starting point for something. He said, he's basically saying, listen to what your parents say, kids, and do it. And this is repeated in other parts of scripture, like in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 20. Keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. And he says, do this in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. That is, your obedience to them is not just within the context of your family. It's in, within the context of the family of God within the church. Which means that when you are obedient, you're actually showing your love for your parents to not just your family, but to the wider community. And especially in the ancient world, that would have brought either increasing amounts of respect because of your obedience or increasing amounts of disrespect because of your disobedience. Um, our consciences now are totally seared where I think that most people sort of look at the world and say, oh, kids are being disobedient, but that's just kids being kids. Or parents um, might derelict their, their duties in, in, in not asking their children to obey things. And it causes their kids to, to do whatever they want to do, which in a world that is more complex than than the word complex is able to grasp that's just a that's just an invitation to disaster jesus i think doesn't want our blind obedience especially as we grow so what is this obedience what is this call for obedience and it's it's a command in this passage what does this command um have at its heart it's i think it's all about training us to react in particular ways and situations, to be godly people, no matter what comes in life. Obedience and being obedient to our parents is actually just uh, us deferring to our parents and in doing so, training our consciences, hopefully towards God and how God would want us to live. Parents... I think this is really this is really important. Parents, you train your kids' consciences. You train your how your children see the world in terms of right and wrong. And if you aren't taking an active role in that, other people will. Other groups will. The world is filled with these opportunities to to speak into the life of our kids, to be training their consciences towards different visions of what it means to flourish in the world. And God says, this is how you flourish. And our world would say, no, there's a different way. And we have to help our kids choose um, inherently to follow the way of God. They get to choose. This isn't, this isn't sort of a, a, a blind choice. This, they get to choose. 
but so much as it's up to us, you know, I, I think about this for Jess and, and, and I, for Liam and new baby, so much as it's up to us, we are called to help train Liam's conscience so that when he comes to making decisions for his own, he'll be inclined towards living life as God intends rather than living life as our culture would have him live. And this isn't just for parents, by the way, because parents, it's not just parents in the church. It's, it's a number of different people, people who have been parents, who are grandparents now, people who are not parents for whatever reason. But you know the gospel. And if you know the gospel, you can speak into these things. We can, so it, it talks about obedience, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. But then Paul quotes from the Old Testament. He quotes from the, from the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. Honor your father and mother it's the first commandment with a promise so that you, it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Other people who have lived longer can tell us what it means to honor God. Blind obedience is not the goal. Uh, honor is and honoring our parents is. This is what this passage is thrusting on kids. Don't just blindly obey Seek actively to honor your parents, because when you honor your parents, you are honoring God and you're honoring the community of the church that you are a part of. <clears throat> and whether you are a parent or not, you can help with that. You can help train kids how to honor their parents and how to honor God and how they live their lives. This is the, this is the role of Sunday school has, has often played. It's what dinners with families um, with babysitting, with just social interaction of all sorts. This is what this is all about. Blind obedience isn't the end goal. Honor is. Why? Because God promises that when we honor our parents, we will live a truly blessed life. So what is honor? I think you can define it a number of different ways, but it, it's at the very least showing a, a, a sh uh, valuing showing high regard for and revering. So children can show high regard for their parents when they obey their parents, but that's the bare minimum. That's, a, that's one way of showing honor to our parents, but that's not the, the totality of it. Even more than this, I think, parents are, uh, are honored when their kids exemplify being the kinds of people that they have been raised to be. So if you're if you're a parent or if you know if you if you are a an aunt or an uncle, maybe you've seen this, where you see kids grow up, they're getting trained and they come to a decision, they have to choose, do I follow the way of Jesus or do I follow the way of the world? Do I treat someone with love or do I treat them with disrespect? Do I honor my parents or do I do I dishonor my parents? And when they choose the way of honor, the way of God, it's amazing. It brings parents joy to see kids make decisions towards Jesus, towards the way of life that God has said, this is how I want you to live. This is how you were designed to live. And I'm not sure if any of you have realized this yet. We are all children. We all have parents. Some of us, our parents have passed away. Some of you. 
Um, some of us, like Jess and I, still have our parents here with us. And we are commanded still to honor them. Not just blindly obey, but honor them. And even more so, I think, because as kids grow up, they become adults. And adults leave their father and mother um, and, and go off on their own. Often, often um, in the ancient world, it's, it's primarily through marriage. Now it's through going off to school and, and finding uh, new places to live and moving around. This is, um, this is something that, that I experienced because I did not honor my parents well when I lived in their home. It was actually after I moved out that I learned how to honor them more fully. I think they could attest to that too if they're listening. Um, God commands us to honor our parents. If your parents still aren't here, you can still honor them just in how you talk about them. In the language that we use to describe who they were. We can still show honor to our parents, even if they're not in the room. Though I want to give a, a bit of a a push for parents. Parents, um, when was the last time you told your kids that you were proud of them for making a Christ-like decision? That's, that's going to, giving that type of encouragement helps them to know, okay, this is the way of God and that I made a decision that I should keep doing because it makes, it, it honors my parents. It makes them proud. So, like, be on the lookout for this. What are some times, maybe in the next week, where you could point out to your kids, hey, you've made a Christ-like decision. I'm really honored by that. Um, so, the, yeah, this passage. Kids, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your mother and father, so that it may go well with you, and you may enjoy a long life on the earth. <clears throat> Our <clears throat> Kids, you should start with obedience being obedient to your parents, but you should always go beyond that to honoring your parents by how you treat them and how you treat other people. It will honor them if you treat them well and if you treat others well, just as they've taught you how to live. Which brings us to the second half of this passage, just one verse. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Let's back up just a little bit. Last week we talked about how um, for, for couples, um, husbands, your wife should become more Christ-like because they have been married to you. This is the vision that Paul has for marriage. And now he moves on to that to say, okay, your kids should learn what it means to live with Christ as their Lord, because of your example and instruction. That's not to say that, that mothers don't take part in it. Remember that Paul just talked about how, how um, the husband is the head of the household or the source of a whole bunch of, uh, of different things within the household, protection and provision and all of that, that, that mimics Christ's protection and provision for his church. Husbands are the, the heads of their households, and wives, then, are the body, are like the church. And so, to talk about the fathers now isn't to cast the mothers aside. It's actually just to point out where the source is, to give the source responsibility 
but the head can't do anything without the hands and feet. And so there's, there is an, there's an implication here that there's actually a partnership working behind the scenes, but Paul, there's a, there's one unity that's working together um, towards an end. And that end is seeing the flourishing of ki of their, of their children in the ways of God. Uh, the head provides, uh, is the source, I guess we could say of, of vision, of direction, of protection, of sustenance. And it means that the family's flourishing is in part the husband's responsibility. This is a responsibility of, of fathers, or it should be, but it's not again, to discount mothers. Because in some homes, there are only moms and some homes there are only dads and scripture points out different places where, where the spiritual heritage of mothers are way more impactful than fathers. It's really interesting. Things like uh, in Timoth in second Timothy chapter one, Paul goes out of his way to talk about the spiritual heritage of Timothy um, and his, his, the faith of his grandmother, Lois and his mother, Eunice and saying like hold on to that faith that they have given you the spiritual heritage of mothers is really really powerful I think this is all to say really and this is important so parents I need you to to really zone in and pay attention no Christian ministry that has ever been created and I mean that has ever been created has as much influence on your kids as you have on your kids. Not any children's ministry, not any youth ministry, not any young adults ministry. The ministry that has the most impact on kids is your ministry to them. Is exactly what Paul's talking about here. Do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. It's actually across the board. There have been a number of longitudinal or long uh, studies that, that span over a very long length of time that have looked at things like how has youth ministry changed the church or how has it, how has it helped the church or, or what has it done in the church and what has children's ministry done in the church and consistently, consistently across multiple cultures, multiple areas of the world, it has seen that children's ministry and youth ministry make no discernible difference in whether kids stay in the faith. And this, if you actually just think about it in terms of things like, like dedicated youth ministries and dedicated children's ministries, these are new in the history of the church. And, and, um, you know, it's really in the last, uh, I guess 70 years now where it's, 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 uh, it's gotten, more prevalent um, and at the time when children's ministries and youth ministries have exploded in North America of saying hey this this will help us keep our youth in in the church it's actually been the opposite there has been a, a massive exodus of youth from the church at the same time when we're directing specific ministries towards them they're actually rejecting the ministries and why is that? It's, I think it's because when we start creating ministries for very small subsections of communities, uh, we start to forget, especially as parents, that we are called, we are entrusted by God 
to be the primary disciplers of our kids. It's not meant to be a children's pastor or a youth pastor or volunteers. It's meant to be us. I am meant to be the primary discipler of Liam. I am meant to be the primary discipler of the new baby and just as well. And when we stop, when we stop remembering that we, it's a dereliction of our parental responsibilities in the Lord. It's our responsibility to train up our kids in the Lord. Their experience should be exactly what God says in Deuteronomy chapter six. Um, it says this in, in, ver in chapter six, verses one through nine, these are the commands, decrees, and laws. The Lord, your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess so that your children and their children after them may fear the Lord as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you. And so that you may enjoy long life here, Israel, and be careful to obey so that it may go well with you that you may increase greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors has promised. So he's, he's, uh, this is, um, Moses talking to the Israelites, but what God has told them just after the 10 commandments and saying, here is how you're going to prosper. Here is what it means to prosper. Here's how God promises to see prosperity come to your house here. O Israel, the Lord is God. The Lord is one love the Lord, your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols to your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on your door frames of your houses and on your gates. Impress them on your children. Talk about them everywhere. Talk about what God is doing all the time. Talk about his word with your kids. This should be their experience of, of our households. But we need to be careful because it's not just what we train. It's how we train. It's not just what we say to our kids. It's how we say it to them. And this is why Paul gives these added extra instructions because the Jewish people would have known that verse. It's called the Shema. Um, and it was, it was memorized by everyone and it was held on to dearly. They, they kept it in their hearts quite sometimes quite, quite literally kept it close to their hearts and the, in putting it in the garments that they were wearing. This was known. And so Paul goes one step further. He says, do not exasperate. Do not, do not draw your kids into anger unnecessarily. Do not treat them in a way. I think we could say, don't treat them in a way that unnecessarily puts barriers up, uh, barriers to the gospel. Don't make it harder for them to follow Jesus because of how you treat them. The gospel is already offensive. The gospel is necessarily exclusive in an inclusive world or in a world that, that preaches inclusivity. Although I think that's mostly, um, that's mostly not true. But, uh, the gospel puts limits on how we live our lives. Some of which those limits don't just, they just don't seem to make any sense. And the gospel invites us to live lives of suffering where we pick up our cross and follow, where we deny ourselves. We deny our desires. We deny what we think should happen. And instead we follow Jesus and we say, I'm going to lay down everything that I want 
to pick up what you want for me. That is, in a, in a, in a, in a world of hedonism, in a world that's filled with pleasure-seeking, uh, to seek out suffering is offensive. The gospel's already offensive. You don't have to make it more offensive by screaming at your kids. Don't add more offense by how you treat your kids. By, by Don't treat them wrongly. Don't use excessively severe discipline. Don't be unreasonably harsh on them. Don't abuse your authority or abuse them. Don't humiliate them or constantly nag them. And don't hold back from providing for their needs, for their emotional needs, their physical needs, their spiritual needs. That's what this passage is saying. Fathers, that is, those responsible for the for the uh, for their for your kids, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up. Do not treat them wrongly. Don't give offense to them. Don't 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 give the seed of offense to them that Satan will certainly grasp in his hold. Instead, you are to bring them up. You are to personally invest in their lives. That is reading them Bible stories. That's talking about scripture, talking about faith, studying scripture together, wrestling with the text if you want, and bringing the gospel to bear in the situations of your life. And you will have to discipline them. You will have to raise your voice. But make sure when you discipline that it's fair and just and gospel-centered. And you do that by shaping your parenting after the love that God has shown you through Christ. So ask, how has God parented me? And then mimic that parenting for your kids. And in that way, actually, we point them back to our source, not just not just the source within within marriages, but the but the the source within creation, pointing back to the Father through Christ. But parents, I want to say this again: you don't have to do this on your own. Actually, you're not supposed to. This is a passage written to the church, not just individuals. We are mothers and fathers and uh, brothers and sisters and aunts and. Uh, uncles and grandparents together as a community with a range of different experiences and the ability to speak to each other with God's love and care and to show God's love and care to each other in very practical ways. And so if you're wondering, okay, how do I actually go about doing some of these things? How do I go about training my kids? On Wednesday, on our website, there are going to be a number of of different resources put up, books that you could uh, purchase or borrow, um, different Bible studies you could do with uh, kids of different ages, podcasts you could listen to, all of which are designed to help you, uh, to equip you for this training, bringing up and training in the instruction of the Lord of your kids. Because this isn't just all about you. Yeah, Tracy, that's good. Talk about the why behind your decisions and, way in, and the ways that you live. Your kids are always listening. If you're making a big decision, you can invite them into your process of saying, here's what we're thinking through, and here's what we're praying about, and here's what we think God is asking us to do. And maybe even, depending on their age and stage, you could even invite them into your prayers 
um, to participate around the dinner table or, or whatever. Those resources are going to be posted on Wednesday. Um, and so I invite you to, to take a look there. It'll, well, I'll post a link on Facebook as well. Um, and there'll be a, a, a bunch of resources there for you to check out. Um, you have a responsibility to your kids, but we as your church have a responsibility to equip you, to equip you with resources to use, to equip you with wisdom from experience, to equip you with prayers for your family, and, uh, and to participate in the lives of your kids, and to remind you of your responsibility. And so that's what, we'll, that's what we're going to strive to do. Kids, obey your parents and honor them because that is good and pleasing to the Lord and parents train your children in the Lord because training them in the Lord will bring honor to you and honor to God. Let's pray. Uh, Father, I thank you for the gift of children. I thank you. Um, I thank you for your word that reminds us well, that reminds them to, to honor their parents because honoring their parents is honoring to you. But Father, I also thank you that you give parents um, the, same, the same type of discipline that you, that, that you expect us to give our kids. That when we are not living up to your expectations, you tell us, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Father, I pray for, for, uh, for all those, whether parents or guardians or grandparents or aunts or uncles, whatever their relationship to kids, Father, I pray that you would help us all to be instruments of your peace in our relationships with them, training them to honor, uh, to honor and serve you above all else to follow you even to the ends of the earth. And Father, I pray that you would give um, by your spirit our parents today encouragement. You would give them uh, wisdom in how to train up uh, the children that you have given them to train. And that you would uh, bless all of our families, whatever they may look like, whatever our households look like today, that you would bless it and you would bless our household as a church with the promise that you have given, that it may go well with you, that you may enjoy long life on the earth. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.